These are Grindstaff Publishing audio files. Welcome to the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. I'm your uh, your writer, narrator for the audiobooks, and podcast host, Tyler Grindstaff. Today is September 18th, 2020. It is currently 9.40 p.m. I'm uh, in my garage looking at all my tools and just went outside and saw the beautiful stars of Oregon for the first time in over a week. The smokes have finally cleared and it just... Going back to gorgeous blue skies in the daytime, stars at night. I I I have never been so excited to see stars and just not breathe. Just a tremendous amount of campfire campfire smoke. So shout out to all those um, first responders, the wildland firefighters, and just everyone that helps keep Oregon green. Um, and you know, just got their ass kicked by the fire and pushed back and showed resiliency. Thank you so much to everybody. Um, this podcast, um, as opposed to the last one, um, is a bit more specific. Um, I wanted to tackle if some, uh, the basically the, the foundation of what um, my entire, you know, besides my normal job and my, you know, my dad duties have become. Um, my the entire focus of my existence right now is, you know, on this small business slash publishing company um, as, of Grind Sub Publishing, and essentially that's called an imprint. Um, as an, an imprint basically makes you, you kind of create your own little publishing company. So obviously it's not traditional because you're not going through any kind of, you know, business or publishing agency or there's no agents or anything like that. So it's pretty exciting because, you know, in not a whole lot of time, you can, you know, basically transform yourself into an independent publisher and you can, you know, you have full creative control over what you put out. Um, and so that's definitely one of the the, the biggest pro by far, um, but definitely it makes you your own your own uh, your own liability. And so everything about your business is up to you. So if you don't have a great work ethic and you just kind of want to you know just pu- publish one book and then kind of that's it, then that's what you can do. But I like it a lot because it it just it's basically whatever you put into it, you will you can see the results instantly and. There's no waiting around. There's no publisher or agent or whatever telling you to, you know, go this direction or that with creativity. So I want this episode of the podcast to be kind of focusing on that, basically about how how I started my own imprint. Um, because it's it's a, such a unique endeavor, there are a million and a half ways to do it. So your journey will look a lot different than mine, but hopefully it'll... Um, it'll, you know, just show exactly the numbers and kind of how I went about it. And this is going to be full transparency and everything. So, um, I want to make sure that, you know, th- this is what I want that this, this podcast to be about. I want it to be a lot of, you know, nuts and bolts, how it happens, how that writing happens. And, you know, it, there, there's a whole lot that goes on, goes into producing a book. It doesn't just pop out of your head and you put it on paper and then there you go. There it, it's, it's a lot to go into it. So I kind of want to go into that for this episode. The very first thing that you have to decide is um, that crossroads of do you want to go traditional publishing or imprint. So traditional publishing is, you know, just like you see in movies or reading books or whatever. Um, you you find an agent, 
they, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a two way street. I mean, you're, you're basically the talent and they are the agent. So it's up to them to choose you. Um, that process is extremely difficult. Um, if you have zero, you know, if you don't have a big social media following or you don't have, you know, like some, a lot of backing behind you creatively or financially or whatever, it is super difficult to even get a publisher to look at you. Um, in many cases, um, you know, you have to go through a lot of hoops. You have to show that you have an editor already lined up. You have to show you already have your manuscript at, at least, you know, uh, you know, a certain part of it is completed. Um, if you're completely unknown, just a, in other words, a normal, normal person, you have to have your manuscript completely just done. And hopefully someone will look at it twice. And hopefully after that, they'll, you know, not only, um, you know, take you under their ring wing, but you have, they have to, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll show your work to their, you know, heads and people above them. So it's a very, very difficult journey. If you're, if you're a normal person that has, you know, really nothing to show for any kind of literary world work, um, it is almost impossible to, uh, go that route. So a lot of, um, a lot of people go the self-publishing route. Um, you don't have to do an imprint. You can just, you know, you can just take your, take your manuscript to like, uh, you know, a local, um, you know, bookseller and, and, uh, you know, do it that way or sorry, not a bookseller, but a book printer and do it that way. Um, you know, there, there are different ways of doing it, but the reason I chose an imprint is because I liked that creative control. I liked the idea of, you know, making my own publishing company and doing it, everything from the ground up. So, um, that's the first thing, first step of all of it is to decide what you want to do. Um, I mean, of course, if you don't have much in the way of, you know, literary world experience, then you kind of pigeonholed into either doing it yourself just by sending it over to a, a book printer and they'll do it for you for a, a pretty crazy fee or do it, the, do it the imprint way and go about that way. Um, once you get, once you decide on imprint, um, obviously the next step would be a name. So, you know, there are a million and a half different, um, you know, quirky, you know, creative ways to name your company but the major thing is that you just have to understand that it is written in ink and um i mean it's not forever you can always change your stuff but the way i did it um it's pretty permanent um so my my, my books have been copyrighted everything's been under my name which won't change but um you know maybe maybe in the future something will happen and, and i won't i won't be using primarily my grants of publishing um imprint so you know that that could change on the rough paperwork stuff. So I chose, um, you know, there, there are a bunch of different, different, um, names. I was kind of thinking of some kind of creative ones from I used in college and like just kind of funky things I, I thought were cool and probably weren't that cool to begin with. Um, but I, I chose a pretty standard one. People have always said that my name sounded pretty, you know, like, like a writer, you know, like a, like, you know, grind staff sounds like a writer or some kind of, you know, big publishing company, I guess, Simon and Schuster kind of thing. But I just liked how it sounded. I like that, you know, it's, it's, it's my name. So it's pretty, pretty damn hard to, you know, to infringe upon that. So Grindstaff Publishing made, made a lot of sense. So I chose Grindstaff Publishing. I, um, because I, I was so into the graphic design part of the whole, my own business thing. Um, I, I instantly went into creating the, you know, the GP that you'll see everywhere in all of my all of my stuff, website, logos, and all kinds of this, the, the podcast, um, the podcast title art, everything. Um, 
so that was what I, that, that's the very first thing I did. I, I established my imprint and then that night, the next day, the next few weeks, I just pumped out all kinds of designs and every, everything you see design wise has been me and only me. I, I've just, I guess I, I I've always liked that uh, graphic design quality of stuff and I, I, I can't do it in any other form of my, my life. So this is an outlet. So, um, I guess the very, the second step was choosing the name, choosing the logos, fun stuff. Um, kind of like the nuts and bolts of the, the financial stuff, um, are payments. Um, this is about my, you know, to being as transparent as possible in my business. So I'm going to go through payment uh, stuff that I did in Oregon. This is all, I don't know, 2018, late 2018, 2019. Um, so, you know, whenever you listen to this, it might be outdated or whatever, but this is what I, you know, approximate values of what I paid. Um, favorite thing um, I was super excited about was um, getting a business license in the state of Oregon. So, you know, it's not a huge thing. I'm, I, I, I never, I never planned slash plan on making millions of dollars off this business, but you know, it's definitely something that I've, I wanted to do for a long time and start my own business. I didn't know how to do it, but it kind of fell on my lap and said, oh, well, I like writing books. Why can't I just publish them and then make them my business? So getting the business license in Oregon was about 50 bucks. Um, it was all online. So super easy. And you didn't have to leave the house. It was, it was, uh, it was so cool to get that, you know, that, you know, print out paperwork thing where it didn't even get sent in the mail. It was printed out on my own printer, but just seeing, you know, that I had a business number, business license, fantastic. Um, as a printer or as a publisher, um, you know, the next step is I think um, ISBN. Um, every every published book that that has any chance of being sold anywhere has to have an ISBN. Um, it's pretty simple. It's a barcode on the back. Well, it's not actually the barcode. The barcode's different, but. The ISBN um, is now a 13 number ISBN. It used to be 10, but now it's 13. Um, so I went to a, a website called um, Bowker My Identifiers. Um, it's huge. It's a. Uh, it, it it's it's probably the leading. It has to be the leading um, ISBN provider. Um, you have to have an ISBN to publish your your book if you want to sell it. Um, all the major um, public, you know, online publishers, retailers, Amazon, um, Ingram, Spark, that kind of stuff. Um, even like, you know, uh, Barnes Noble, Kindle, all that stuff. Um, they will provide an ISBN if, uh, if you need one. So when you're going through and publishing your book through their own service, um, one of the last steps before you push publish is, uh, um, does this book have a ISBN? And then if you just say, if you say no, then they can, then you can buy from them and then it's you know sometimes it's cheaper sometimes more expensive but in that in that way you are just buying one um one isbn um so in the case of uh, the website i went to um Bowker my identifiers um one isbn currently costs 125 dollars i went with the um the best deal on the website um quote unquote which was a uh, 10 isbns um, and that costs about $225, not about it did. And so for $225, you get 10, 10 ISBNs. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, that can be 10 publications or, um, you know, just, it, there's a whole variation of stuff. Uh, and, and I'm not even going to come close to getting into ISBN, um, you know, not law, but just kind of like the, you know, stuff in that just, you know, 
well, if I have this edition, does that need a new, a new ISBN? Well, this book has this different change or whatever. I go to the web, go to websites, look at look at different ISBN stuff. It, it's a lot out there. Simply put, each book you publish has to have its own ISBN. Um, once that gets taken, it's it's that it's gone. So um, currently, I have um, I have three ISBNs taken. So I have the Room to Rome novel has one. Chasing the Kingfish has an ISBN, and I also have um, Room to Roam. The photographs has its own. Um, also, each of those has its own barcode. So not only do you have to have the ISBN, which is only the 13 numbers, looking at the back of a book, you'll see a barcode. That's called a barcode. Uh, on the Balker website, you can do um, uh, get a barcode. I think it's like $25 a piece. Um, you, I think you can buy them in bulk, but I think it's pretty much just 25 times whatever number you purchase. So there's no discount. Um, and so I did, um, you know, I, I just buy them per, per, um, per book. And so once you, um, the, their website is pretty easy to use. Um, once you do purchase a barcode for that particular ISBN, um, then all, all you have to do is, you know, assign, assign the ISBN to the publication, assign the barcode to the ISBN slash publication. And then they'll, um, there's like a down, a downloadable, um, file that you can just um, you know place on any kind of any kind of um, you know, d um, design software that you're going to do your cover art with. So it's super easy. Um, it, it it's all online. Um, it's pretty straightforward. The first one you're doing is pretty nerve wracking because it just seems really really permanent. Um, and it it kind of really is. I, I I mean I'm sure there's a way to go back and edit stuff, but it's just easier to take your time and go through it. That's why I'm making this pod, this episode of this podcast. So, um, it, it, it is very straightforward. So now you have, um, you chose to go the imprint route. You have your name of your business slash imprint. You have your business license in the state you're currently going to operate in. Um, and you have your ISBNs. So that's all you absolutely need to publish. Um, and then of course you have to go into the, the, the place that's going to publish your work, Amazon, whatever. Um, but I also chose to do a copyright. Um, and that's more, I guess, more of an old school thing that I like about it. Um, you know, every, it's definitely strongly, strongly advised that you have, that you should put some kind of blurb in the beginning of your, you know, in the beginning of your book on like the, the first or second app, like literal page of the book, you know, they're in every book, you know, it's about copyright stuff and you can't, you can't, basically you can't copy that stuff. It's pretty obvious stuff, but, um, that's a whole nother beast looking at copyright stuff. And, you know, some people say that just, just by the nature of creating something from scratch and putting out into the universe, that means that basically first come first serve. So if, you know, if for some, if some crazy thing happened and someone tried to steal your work, you can bring it to court and then you can say, well, oh, well I published this book and blah. And that was before this person did the same work. So therefore without any kind of extra stuff, even without that blurb, you know, this, it's, it's probably okay, but that's, that's just foolish. Um, ironically, um, I, I totally copied and pasted my, one of my coworkers at the time just published her book. And so I literally copied word for word, her do not copy copyright. And so, um, it's a little bit of, a little bit of irony. She thought it was funny. Um, but she did the same thing with, with, with her book too. So she has copied from, you know, a standard, you know, don't copy my text stuff. Um, so, even you know that's even more binding that's pretty obvious but 
I, and again, I'm not thinking my books are going to sell millions and millions of copies, but I just like the idea that, you know, if I did copyright my, my, my uh, works, then they would go into the Library of Congress. So I went to the Library of Congress website. Um, that is a weird, weird website. Don't get discouraged. It is, it looks very confusing and very kind of clunky and old, but, um, once you get used to it, it's not too bad. Um, you know, there's a spot in there where it says, um, you know, basically copyright um, new or existing works. Um, you kind of navigate through there. You set up um, your username and password, and then um, there's a spot pretty easily that you could uh, upload, you know, images. You can upload um, the manuscript, and you pay uh, 50 bucks, and that gets you um, the submission fee electronically to uh, to copyright your book. The process of waiting is much, much longer. I think they say six to eight weeks, or maybe it's a couple months, a few months. I don't know what it is. I can't remember what it is. But mine took, the first one took like three months, and the second one took probably the same, if not a little bit shorter. Um, so it's a long process. I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, I mean there is an expedited, expedited thing you can do, like for obviously for more money. But, you know, if you're just an, a normal person, just want to like, you know, just want to have the extra security of copyright or you just like me, you want to see, you know, your, you know, you can look up in the Library of Congress, your publication is there. That's every, every literary nerd's dream. That's why we, we become writers. And so it's kind of um, becomes in, in perpetuity. Um, so it's there forever. So as long as the Library of Congress is still kicking, um, our works will be in there. So it's kind of an added thing. I mean, if you're already spending this money, I mean, what's 50 bucks? So that's kind of how that goes. Um, the next thing that I was really excited about um, are, are, well, not excited, but taxes. Um, I got, let's see, I think I officially did my business license in February of 2018, I believe is when it happened. So um, I, I had, I had a long ways until I, I had to worry about taxes, but just to make sure I didn't do anything weird. I went to my, um, my local tax preparer. Um, in this case I use H and R block. It's just down the street. They're super easy. They're very nice. Um, and I had a free consultation. So, um, it's really easy. Um, you just take, you know, you, you, you kind of just, before you go make some notes about what you, you know, kind of the the, the numbers of, of, you know, units, or in this case, books, I, I was going to, I was hoping to sell the money I was going to hope to hope to make per month, you know, put that in a calculator that gets you, you know, kind of like your, your yearly estimated number, you know, in my case, I'm not selling a bunch of books. And so I, I, I don't, I don't know what I am. I can't remember what the, you know, what the actual, you know, classification of my thing is. Um, but basically how my taxes work is that, um, because my, my, you know, business makes basically nothing or, you know, a few hundred dollars a, a year, maybe a, maybe a thousand dollars a year. Um, that's nowhere, nowhere near to be a viable, you know, like business. And so, um, basically my taxes come together with my income, my, my, my wife and I file, file jointly. So, you know, basically whatever we have at, at the end of the year, um, in salary, um, whatever I made in the business just is, just is added to that total, and then taxes happen and that big magical box and that the big jackpot machine just pulls the lever and then out comes tax, the tax number, and then that's how it works. So the cool thing about uh, having a business is that it's actually okay or maybe even encouraged to lose money 
the first few couple years because um, as long as you're showing that the money you're spending is like you know isn't astronomical. Like if you're if you're making a couple hundred bucks a year and you go out and buy you know a, a super nice MacBook, then that's not gonna that's not viable. I mean like that you you're there's no way you're gonna make that money back um, in in time. So as long as you're smart with it, you know like it just it it just pretty kind of common sense with that stuff and. Um, it's been pretty easy. And since I, everything has been done at H&R Block, I've, I feel pretty safe and, you know, I'm not going to go into huge debt. I'm not going to, you know, make a ton of money. So it's kind of like, it's not a hobby, but it's, it's more than a hobby. So that's taxes. I'm, I'm not, I'm no expert, but definitely, you know, talk to somebody who is, um, well, also one of the really cool and really big uh, milestones for me was the bank account. And so whenever you look up, you know, how to, how to start your own imprint. One of the things that's heavily suggested is to uh, to go to a bank, um, preferably the bank you use for your personal finances, if you only have one or whatever, um, and completely open a business account. Um, it's you know I, I use US Bank. It's free, um, and and that way it's totally separate. And so what that does is makes tax life a lot easier. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, for, for someone that, that wants to do a, a small business like I do, um, and more dabble in it, it's really cool because I have my own business card. So I, I have my own business debit card. Um, and so I can transfer money here and there I, and I, I can use it. And, um, you know, the option is there to, uh, to get a credit line. And so if you do choose to do credit line or if your business can even, you know, handle that credit line, um, then that's pretty cool. Um, I chose not to because I don't I don't need to go spend a ton of money on this. So basically, what whatever I make, I put back into it. So it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not, not it's not a you know you don't have to do that, but it's definitely a a beneficial thing just for tax purposes and at the at the end of the year. And it's just really nice to see that okay, well, it's basically becomes like an itemized you know thing. You know, you have your inventory on there, the books you bought and all that stuff, and you know, if you keep it completely separate, then everything's right there. So at the, at the at the end of the year, you just look at that. Oh, there you go. You just you can even print it out and be like, oh, take it to the tax person. There you go. This is this is what I spent. This is what I received. Super easy. It all, all kind of goes and just it's really nice. All right. So that's all the you know kind of boring you know financial stuff and just kind of stuff you have to kind of cover your own ass and make sure that that's the stuff you have to have, um, in order to be an imprint, a, a proper imprint and, you know, business, at least one op operating in Oregon, like I am, um, more of the fun stuff is, um, is, you know, you're kind of going out on your own, you're doing your own thing. You chose by choice or by uh, necessity to, uh, to start your own publishing company. And so all the work is on you. Like I said before, um, it's either, you know, overwhelming and scary to be like, oh my God, now it's all on me, or it's really exciting. And it's, um, I chose the latter. I, it, it's super exciting to, to play this, you know, everything I do with this business is on me, um, better or worse. And so it's just it's super cool. Um, you know, the costs are on you. I mean, you, I mean, obviously you can get money from where, wherever you can or want to or whatever, but, um, it's pretty cool because, the the biggest thing I think that, uh, in, in my business at least is um, uh, marketing, and so marketing for me means um, website. And so um, website I use uh, WordPress. Um, I use it in college for different things, different uh, different science things, and 
I liked how it just felt really professional and just felt very business-like anyway. Um, and so then I had a blog for a while and I got used to that. That's that's kind of how Room to Roam started. I, I kept a blog when I was in Europe and I was like, oh, well, I'm adding the pictures there. I'm adding the, the words there. Why not can I just, you know, hybridize this and then make it into a book? So it was kind of nice because I, I had pretty good experience with that. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go premium. So then I, I got the premium plan and um, I can't remember what that was, like a hundred bucks, whatever, a year. And then and that, that was good. You know, it, it's, you know, that's more for like the fancy blogs or like, you know, really, really basic web, uh, basic websites that, you know, don't make a whole lot of money. Um, I did that for, um, you know, for the first few months and I was, okay, well, this is okay, but it's more like a storage area, like a place people can look at, but it's more of a storage place. And then I... Uh, I decided to bite the bullet and, and uh, choose the, the big baller package and I uh, got the business account. And that's been really cool, actually. So, um, you know, it's obviously four businesses. Imagine that. Um, but what that means is that it's uh, you, you, you can make your own store on there. Um, it's, it's kind of built in for search engine optimization. Um, there's a lot more storage, a lot more capabilities. You can you have videos on there. You can have a lot of promotions. It, just the, the entire the entire box of WordPress opens up for you and you can download all kinds of plugins and it's really awesome. And it, and it really, uh, really helped expand my presence. And so, um, it, so now if you go to grindsheadpublishing.com, obviously bought the domain name for like 18 bucks a year. Um, you know, now it looks like a professional or at least semi-professional website. That's a functional thing. And so it's super cool. Um, you know, just get a website. It's 2020. Um, you know, you, you can't, I mean, you know where you want, but, it'd be really difficult to not have a website now. Um, so, you know, that's for me, the, by far the most uh, expensive thing per year. So, you know, it, it's worth it. Um, the next biggest purchase I think I make is, um, really cool Adobe creative cloud. Um, this thing has a big old, big old stamp of history in me. Um, basically what the Adobe creative cloud is uh is everyone knows the company Adobe, um, amazing company, full of you know creators and graphic designers and stuff. And what they did was they made the Creative Cloud. And so what it is is that you you pay a, a pretty expensive monthly fee, um, but with that you get access to I don't know if everyone is the is the best term, but a whole ton of different. Um, of all their programs, and you just download them from the cloud, and then they're yours. You can you can operate with them. You can use them on uh, I think up to up to two up to three different computers on your with your login. So, I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, the things I use by far the most, far far the most, um, is a program called um, InDesign. Um, that's basically like like a like a magazine um, editors you know program that. I've done all the design works. So I, I create logos. I anything graphic eventually comes to that. Um, you can I mean, you can also publish a book on it. I mean, pretty easily. It it wouldn't be that difficult to do. Um, but I've gotten extremely familiar with that. I created the entire um, room to roam the photographs um, photo book on there. Big old beast of a book, um, and it was just gorgeous, beautiful to use, easy to use. Um, InDesign weight that's definitely the thing i use the most um after that lightroom um you know it it is it's the best um it is the best photo editing software that i've ever touched 
Um, my wife likes to use a Paint Shop Pro. I use that a lot in high school and early college, but Lightroom is what the pros use. That's it, it, it's just easy, simple stuff. Um, but man, it, it it's powerful. So I use Lightroom. I, I edited all 350 um, Europe photos down to that. Um, I have a covered bridge of Oregon book coming out pretty soon, um, or getting, you know, ramping up to come out pretty soon. Um, everything is on that. Um, it's just super cool, uh, beautiful, elegant design, beautiful. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the big, the big hitter is uh, Photoshop. Um, it has the, the, uh, kind of reputation of not being the best thing because of what it's doing to, to society, but. Um, it's powerful. It's, it's great because, you know, if, if you want to manipulate images or you want to, you want to mess with something, then that's what you use. And, and so, you know, taking apart graphics and, you know, making, making different things. And then that's why you, it's kind of like the tinkering, like the, almost like the blue collar thing is Photoshop. And then I take it over to InDesign and really fine, fine, you know, fine edit it, you know, create something. So with those three, that's what I, I really use. Um, with the audio I'm doing in this podcast, um, I, I still like to use my MacBooks, um, built-in garage band. It's super simple. I'm not, I'm audio is, is, is difficult for me to understand the technology. So I like to use that, but the creative cloud has its own professional, um, you know, sound mixing and it has its own, um, uh, audio program. It has video editing programs. It has so much stuff that I never touch. Um, so that's what I pay for. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, do I want to pay that big monthly fee or do I not? So for the past like three years, it's been what I wanted to do. Um, a short history, I, I'll go into it much later. Um, but a short history with it, um, the reason why I got it is because when I was in Europe um, and I had just gotten to Iceland to head home. So I just got off this uh this big old ferry coming from uh, Denmark, um, floating up to the Faroe Islands and then going further up into I- eastern Iceland. Um, uh, I got off the boat and I didn't know how to get west to Reykjavik to go home. I only had like you know three days to get from east to west. Um, There's a huge storm that was there. It basically grounded grounded everything. Basically, the only way of getting across was a bus, um, a very expensive bus, mind you. Um, that like the next morning it would take twice as long to get there. I didn't know what to do. And luckily I had made a friend on the ferry up, um, the, th- the three day ferry up that turned into four and a half days. Um, but he was really cool. He was, he lived in Iceland. He was, a, he was an Icelandic and, um, and he know he knew an, an Icelandic guy that was driving West and going to Reykjavik. So he hooked me up and the, the older Icelandic guy was super nice. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll take you across. And so me and this, you know, probably fifty-something-year-old Icelandic guy who spoke perfect English, like most Icelanders do, um, decided to, to take me west with them um, overnight, um, and we just talked. It took I don't know twelve hours to get across. Um, super snowy, um, beautiful landscape all nighttime. Um, I got to see the. Um, Aurora Borealis, right up close and personal for the for the first real time of my life. Um, but the key thing about that was he turned out, which is one of those fate things that you look back and it's like, what? How does that even happen? Um, but he was an a, Adobe salesman. And so he was like the 
Icelandic Adobe outpost. And so um, the for probably a good two hours, two and a half hours in the trip over, it turned out that he was a professional photographer. He started out in the 70s, old school photos, and then got really into the chemistry, got, got a, um, some kind of degree in that. And then he got married, had kids, da 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 And then um, whenever Adobe came out, I don't know, the 90s or whatever, he uh, started working for them. And then over time, he just kept, kept you know, kept getting higher and higher in the, in the organization. And then eventually he popped out into being like, hey, now I'm the, the you know, the Icelandic guy. And so um, he talked to me about Adobe and how amazing it was, photography, da 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 And so, you know, fast forward a few years after that, that was 2015. Um, I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I need to edit all these photos. And then I chose Adobe. So it was all because of that Icelandic journey west in the, in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, under the Aurora Borealis that he kind of didn't even mean to, but he persuaded me to, to go Adobe forever. So it was fantastic. So maybe that's also why I, uh, I have such a, you know, a tie to Adobe, but yeah, I use Adobe every day. Um, it's definitely worth it. it. I mean, it's expensive, but it's worth it. So get you a really good, um, you know, photo editing software. If you're gonna do any kind of photo books, coffee table books, whatever, um, but definitely get you whatever you're, you're comfortable with um, to first off, obviously, is to create a manuscript. I just use Pages on Mac, MacBook. Um, initially, I hated Pages, but I got used to it. I tried different things. There, there's a, a cool program called um, Scribner. Um, I bought that. It was like 50 bucks um, for just for that's it. Just 50 buck fee. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of geared towards a brain that is um, a writer's brain, but a very, very neat, organized, you know, almost like index card thinking brain. And so my brain was like, yeah, I like this, crea- I like this, um, these boxes I can put my creativity in, but I, I tried writing, chasing the kingfish on it, and it just back and forth, back and forth. It just, that program didn't work for me. So I just went traditional, um, just give me a blank paper and I'm just going to write. And so, and then the editing process is what it is. Um, maybe with the Western, since it'll be a lot bigger, um, I might need to go something, go back to Scribner, which I still have. But for the time being, the past two books have been written on uh, Mac, the MacBook pages. You know, I use pages, I use GarageBand. Um, it seems to be just fine. Um, the next thing, um, which is really interesting and a huge pain in the ass, which is so weird, is the actual printing. And so I, I'll get into it in, in a few minutes, but um, when it comes to things that are custom, um, basically custom as in not a novel, um, but for instance, my Room to Rome, the, po- the photographs is a 160 page um you know photo book it's kind of like a mix between a coffee table book and a magazine really and so it was really difficult to figure out how to publish that or print it sorry and so um it's really expensive to print something like that and so i wanted to have you know obviously photo quality photos in the in the book um but that goes into paper and then I had to visit here and there, here and there. I had a field paper. I had to look at it. I had to know what its name was. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't just want to choose the cheapest option and then say, oh, there, there you go. I want that one. Just print it. 
Um, so that might have been me being a control freak a little bit, but um, it just seemed like if it's going to be a book I put out there, um, I, I want to make it, you know, not perfect, but I want to have what's in my head on paper. So it took a lot. Um, it's really expensive. Luckily, I chose to go with a really cool local company called Salem Blueprint and Printing. Um, downtown Salem, um, really cool people. They've been been there for a long, long time. They're great. Um, it They really helped me. Um, it, I'm not a printer. And so, you know, it was a lot of emails back and forth saying like, you know, I created the entire thing on InDesign. I, I basically made like, you know, again, like, like, a, like a magazine layout that turned into a book. And so a lot of weird math, a lot of conversions, a lot of like, okay, well, what is that gutter? What's the spine going to be? What, you know, how much, you know, bleed do I have to have? And it was just so frustrating. And, um, you know, but they took care of me. It was so, it was way easier than I, than I, then I looking looking back, it was way easier than I could have ever thought because I was so bogged down in that minutia that I was like, oh my god, this is never gonna get printed. But then they helped me through it, and it actually was was pretty easy in the end. Um, it just the first time was just super difficult. So if you're gonna do something that's not a just straightforward novel, just a bunch of words on paper, um, finding a printer is is hard enough, and then trying to do it yourself is extremely difficult. There's always an option of just giving it to them and having their graphic designer do it. Obviously, it costs a lot of money. Um, but, you know, I liked the challenge of it, and so I decided to do it. And um, I'm happy with it. It turned out great. Um, and so I I think it's beautiful. So I, I, I just cannot thank them enough, and I'll go back to them for a long, long time. So cool. Um, the last thing that I think is really cool is... Uh, uh, bookstore talks. Um, since this is 2020, the entire world has, you know, been kind of screwed over for going out and like doing the whole bookstore thing um, for coronavirus. And so um, I haven't been able to do it. But what the coolest thing um, that I've actually done in public with this with this publication um, business is that I got to go to my hometown's library and do my first um, book talk. And so that was fantastic. Um, I'm from, I, again, like I said in the first episode, I'm from a very, very small town of about 200 people um, in, in Eastern Oregon. And so the librarian who um, I, I have a history with, she's, she's um, one of my really good friend's moms, um, she decided to re reach out to me and um, was super nice. And, and she kind of talked to me and my, my mom that still lives in that town. And, and the three of us kind of got together and talked about me doing a talk there. Um, and so it was last July, so July of 2019. And so my book came out um, and, and like, you know, February of 2019 and I was super stoked. And then July came around and, and I, my wife and me, and then my now three-year-old and then my now 18-month-old um, all went over there and, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Um, and it was probably 25 people there, 20 people there. And it was so much fun. It was just fluid and people were interested and I got to talk about my book and, you know, it was just me and with all around all these books and I got to sign stuff and it was so cool. It was, it was a dream, dream come true. Like that was me, you know, as a, as a nerdy, you know, middle schooler being like, man, if I could be a writer one day and it was like, that was it. And who knew that you know, when I was 30, I'd be, you know, 
sitting in the library just down the street and being like, I was going to talk about my book with my kids around me and my family. And it was, uh, it was, it was surreal and beautiful and wonderful. So shout out to the Helix Public Library and Annette for putting that on. And it was just, it was so much fun. And I, we, I was planning on doing that with chasing the kingfish and then it was, it was supposed to be scheduled for, I think May of this year. And then obviously all hell broke loose. And so, you know, we've postponed it and then now it's, you know, September and hopefully this coronavirus thing will come, you know, all this stuff will get figured out. Um, and then I can, you know, do a lot more of those because I had plans of doing a lot more. I'm kind of touring around, you know, Oregon and probably a little bit of Washington and just kind of doing my own little thing. And it's on hold, but hopefully in the future, um, I can do it and it sounds really fun and I like doing it. I like talking and I, I just like people that are interested in things I am. So, you know, even if you've never read my, read my book or gave two craps about my book, I, I'll talk, I'll talk about yours. I, you know, if you have an idea and stuff, I, I love talking about stuff and I love talking about writers. Um, everyone has a cool idea. Everyone is creative and it's really fun to get into those talks and yeah, it, it was just really fun. If, you know, when you write your book, when you do some kind of publication stuff, get out there, get get in, you know, society and just talk about your stuff, their stuff. Everyone will talk about something they're passionate about. So do that. Um, after that, you know, all, all that boring stuff from before, now's the fun part. You know, now it's like, you know, you've you've already gotten all the stuff ready. You've gotten everything going for you you know, now you've put in all those hours and days and months and some people years um, writing this dream project that you've wanted to do forever or whatever it is, and you get to write your manuscript. That process is a whole entire beast. Um, and it, it's it's painful and it's rewarding and it's fun and it's scary, miserable. It's it's everything. It's uh, It's amazing people that want to do writing and be writers because it's it's difficult and it's challenging but it's so much fun and at the end of it you just sit there and say i finished it i'm done it's written let's put it out in the world and so there are so many ways of doing that um but the way i chose to do that um was kind of pretty straightforward from the imprint standpoint so i had my grants of publishing you know imprint my business i had all the stuff set up for it i had everything ready to go. And so I went to Amazon. Um, their thing is called Amazon KDP. Um, it's basically their author thing. And so it's really straightforward. It's really easy to use, very, very friendly um, interface. And so you go to Amazon KDP, you log in and everything, and then you basically just follow the instructions. So you do, you upload your manuscript, um, you choose this and that, you choose your size and everything. You choose, um, you say, yes, I have an ISBN because I bought one. Because like I said, you went to Bowker Identifiers or whatever, and there you go. Or you can buy one from them. And um, you go through all that stuff. You choose, all, you do all the things. You go through royalties, which are a whole thing I don't even want to talk about. Um, royalties and money and setting the price of your book and all that money stuff that is really weird and really, I don't fully understand it. Um, but you push a bunch of buttons. You make the price of your book. Um and the, the very last thing you do is uh, you re review it. And so you go into this really clunky, very poor interfaced um, thing that you look at like the margins and you tinker with that. And hopefully you did your homework and, and you, you calculated the correct margins and spine and gutter and bleed for your particular size of book that you want to make. 
And, um, and if everything checks out and you tinker with that thing for whatever, you go to publish. And then if you publish, hey, it's exciting. Break out the champagne. It's amazing. Then it goes into the next step, which is, um, I believe, a human being looks at um, the margins, make sure that everything that you input is you know, decent and kind of correct and makes a lot of sense. And then, um, and then after like three, I think mine took three days the first time, um, they say approved or not approved and you have to go back. But they say approved. Oh my God, it's, it's ready. And then you go there and it says live. And um, it says, oh, something like 24 hours, it would be seen on Amazon, whatever. Then you check and you check and you check and you search, search, search. And then after the 38th search, you like, oh my God, there's my book available to buy on Amazon. Holy crap. Um, it's, it's incredible, amazing feeling. Your heart, my heart sank. And I was like, oh my God, I'm an author. You can buy my book. Um, if you want to buy books for yourself to, to sell yourself or whatever or to have or give your friends, um, you go back to your KDP um, website, or not website, the uh, login page. And then there's a part that says um, author cop, order author copies. And so um, proofs are something different. Um, proofs are basically super raw. Um, they'll have a, a band across the, a printed band across the cover saying, you know, this is a proof, not for sale. Um, but if you want the, the actual copy of the book that will be sold, you want to go to order author copies. Um, I made I made that mistake. Basically, what that is is that you get you get your book for the wholesale um, price, and so it's really cool because if you sell through Amazon, then you know you they take out the printing um, and then their fee, and then you get you know your royalty, and so it's. It, it's almost always the case. I think actually it, it's a, it has to be always the case where if you sell on Amazon, you get like a third of what you would get, maybe a half of what you would get. And then, but if you order author copies to you and then you sell that yourself, you cut out that middleman of Amazon selling the book to you. So you actually make more money if you, uh, if you get the books uh, sent to you through author copies and then you sell it yourself. And so that's why that's what I did um, for the books or for the library um, talk. I just bought a bunch of books. People were really into it, and so they they bought them like you know for the fifteen bucks that you buy on Amazon. But Amazon wasn't there, and so I got to keep more money, and so more money got put in my pocket. So it's pretty cool. Um, it just it, it just a nice little way of like doing it yourself. You become like a door to door salesman. Um, you know, get you, you get to keep an inventory of books in your in your you know facility house whatever. And then it's you get to see a bookshelf of your books. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, there's also um, there's also a oh and also with Amazon KDP it's free to publish and um, you know they say free because you can just go on there click publish and there's no money up front. But every book that gets sold they take money out. So that's that that's a key with uh, Amazon um, is that it's quote unquote free publishing um, but they do take money out. Um, the next, the next biggest uh, seller of books, like um, self-published books, is a place called um, Ingram Spark. Um, they're more the uh, kind of like the kind of like the Costco, really, I guess, of self-publishing because bookstores um, and libraries will go through them to stock their books. That's what I gathered. Uh, I, could, I could be totally wrong, 
Um, but that's what I, I think happens. Um, I, uh, it costs like 50 bucks per, um, um, per publication to, uh, to get your book on there. And so that's where the whole like Amazon is quote unquote free, but Ingram spark costs 50 bucks for like the title. And so that's a, that's an upfront cost you have to pay to get your book on there, but it's basically the exact same thing. Um, you know, the same, basically the same process. Um, then your book goes live on Ingram spark and then there you go. Um, with each of my books and subsequent books in the future, um, I, I made, um, uh, eBooks for them. Um, Amazon's eBook interface is absolutely terrible. Um, but you know, it's, it, you just do it and, um, it takes time, but it's pretty easy to convert your, um, your, your manuscript into their clunky interface. And then there you go. You can, you have an audio, um, an ebook and there you go. Uh, and then pretty easily you can transfer that ebook from Amazon into one for Ingram spark. And then, then that way you have ebook, you know, availability. Um, lastly, um, you know, other outlets to get your, you know, your information out there. So, you know, being a writer, you know, we write and that's, that's the fun part. You know, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's why you write, that's why you become a writer is to write books, to tell your stories, to put what's in your head and what you see in your head onto paper. Um, but it's really the only the tip of the iceberg. And there are so many things that you have to worry about. Um, you know, like anything, if you have unlimited money and resources then hire somebody to do the things you don't like, just do that. And there you go. Um, but if you're a normal person that, that has a, that has a day that has a day job and is just doing this on the side, but they want to be a writer and be a creator, then you know there are things to worry about. So all the things I spent the past like you know however long it's been in this episode talking about, those are things you have to do. But there's also fun things like you know audio. Um, I've always had a stammer and a stutter, and so I like talking also. And so you know I've always been worried about doing audio and audio stuff, and so. Um, audiobooks kind of came kind of came along and I tried doing them probably like six months ago eight nine months ago and audiobooks are super difficult um, for me um, because for one I'm not an actor for two I'm definitely not a voice actor and three reading out loud is difficult like I read to my kids every night but they're not critics and if I mess up here and there who cares but when you're when you have to read something and not even your own work, just anything, and you listen back to it, you're going to find a million and a half flaws of how you sound. And so audiobooks are very difficult. Um, I am currently working on producing um, audiobooks for both novels, um, which is why I made this podcast. Um, but then in the process of doing that, I was like, you know, I don't want this, this to be just solely an, audi an audio book. And the audiobook can also be sold on Amazon's, um, I can't what you call that. It's a, it's, if you go to Google and type in Amazon audiobook, and there's a certain thing, it has an X in it. I can't remember what it is, ACX or something like that. And so, um, you know, they're in Audible, obviously, it's the biggest one in the world. Um, you know, and, and then you can sell it that way. But I wanted this really, I think, cool hybrid of, you know, it's just like working this inner workings of, you know, of a writer and then sipping back into a writer, a publishing, a writer, writer's publishing company. And so with this podcast, it started out being a platform for the audiobook books, 
But then it was like, you know, maybe I can just talk into a microphone and maybe I can share my experiences. And then just kind of happened that this podcast came along and I listen to podcasts all the time, every day on my drive to work. It's a long drive to work. So I have a lot of time to listen to stuff. And I just liked how everyone's, everyone's personality really came through in, in their in their voices and their their podcasts. And even if they're terrible podcasts, you really get to know who that person is. And so um, with with this podcast, I, I, I kind of morphed. And so this is like the last stage of, you know, the not the last, last thing, but one of the last things I can think that would be really fun to do and branch out. Because not only am I learning how to use my voice as a, you know, creative thing, um, but also I get to use this, you know, this medium. Um, I, you know, I like, I like old radio. Uh, I, I love listening to sports, though, like in, in an only audio on the radio. I love really old sport radio. And so it's really fun to play with that. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully this is going well. Hopefully, you know, you find something you like in this. Um, you know, it's hard because it's like anything online. Like, you know, we are completely inundated with, um, with information. You know, you type in like, oh, starting your own, own imprint into Google. And yeah, you, you'll get like the basics, but it's very difficult to actually find like step-by-step stuff. And it's scary because, you know, not everyone is built to be a business person. And, you know, even though you're not dealing with millions of dollars, it's, it's still, you know, it's still money. And it's still, if you're a normal person that has kids or, you know, everyone has goals in life and, you know, you, you don't want to get sunk by, you know, by this dream to be, you know, a writer or any kind of creative person. And so it's, uh, it, I think it's valuable to have these kind of things. And sometimes I'll get like this serious stuff and I'll talk about, you know, not boring, but I think really important stuff. And I think starting your own, your own imprint and kind of telling you my, my story and not being, not being biased by promotional stuff and not saying, Oh, buy this product because it works better. No, I have no, I have no, you know, nothing in this fight. I, I just, I, I just like to, uh, to tell it how it is. And I, I hope you appreciate it. And I hope that, um, if you have any questions, you know, go to my website, um, Grindstep Publishing, everything's there. Um, you know, if, if this gets to a point where, you know, I think it'd be valuable to, you know, show my, you know, audio notes and stuff I talk about, then that's fine. But if you just like listening to it and you want to take a little, you take notes here and there, you know, maybe you want to start one, maybe you already have one, maybe you, maybe you're in some part of the process and you're like, well, what should I do? What could I do that's different? You know, I'll, I'll share those along the way. And, you know, as, as the coronavirus thing gets figured out, as we go through winter time and we come out in the spring, you know, hopefully, you know, everyone's, everyone can get back to normal and bookstores can go back to thriving and being the bastions of, you know, just knowledge and sharing books and talking and community that they always have been. And I'd like to do a lot more talks and a lot more, you know, appearances and not only to sell books, but just hopefully to, to interact with the community that I'm around and um, hopefully people that are around Oregon or, you know, particularly in Salem um, or in the Valley can be around and talk to me about that stuff. But yeah, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, uh, but if, if not, I guess, um, that's it for today. Um, thanks as always for giving this um, podcast a chance. Um, I the next thing I do will be to put up chapter one audio of um, the Room to Rome. So look for that if you're inter- interested. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>